You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today, we have Dominic, a.k.a. Ravens Anatomy, and Kevin from the Wind Column back for uh, this emergency edition of the Nest Talk podcast after the um, day three conclusion of the NFL draft. Now that all our players have been drafted, we're going to sit down and talk about what we think um, the Ravens did well and what they maybe didn't do so well during this day three um, draft edition. So, Kevin, Dominic, how are you guys doing today? Doing really well. Um Really, really happy with the results uh, for the most part. So, yeah, great, great day. Yeah, same. I uh, got a second that uh, I'm really interested and really, really down to talk today about uh, all these guys we got uh, on the list. Yeah, you know, I think it was a pretty interesting day. Obviously a long day, too. The NFL draft day four started at 12 p.m. Eastern time and ended around 7 p.m. And then, of course, we had the 20-some uh, undrafted free agents the Ravens have confirmed um, to be signing, and we'll talk about that later in the episode. But let's jump right on in here with our fourth-round selection. So the Ravens made a couple trades today, too. Uh, we'll get to that. But first pick they made today was Ben Bredesen, guard from Michigan. And the Ravens actually picked two guards in a row here. Um, they closed out last night with the final pick in the third round with Tyree Phillips, and we talked about him yesterday. And then they go and grab... Ben Bredesen from Michigan. Obviously, the connection between the two Harbaugh brothers is strong. Um, Jim Harbaugh is the coach at Michigan. So John Harbaugh obviously has a good scouting report on Bredesen. Um, Kevin, do you think it was smart maybe to go with these two guards here to kind of load up and see what we got in both of these guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think they both uh, fit the profile of what the Ravens want in uh, the offensive line as of, uh, I believe it was a couple of years ago, they pretty much announced that they think they're too small there at that position. Um, out of the door have went guys like Alex Lewis, who were on the smaller side and also kept getting injured. Um, and each yeah. year we've drafted guys who are big, just road graders. I think that's what these guys are. I think that they're immediately going to be ready to be backups um, that hopefully uh, will be able to give us some good starting reps if uh, – if they find themselves in that position. So really like these two picks. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think it was pretty um, evident that the Ravens were going to take a second offensive lineman just because of the depth and how now with the new uh, CBA that they can have a bit more, um, you know, flexibility with that position, adding a bit more players on the, on the squad that, um, fit that, fit that bill of offensive linemen. And I think that, um, Ben Bredesen is going to kind of slide right in. Um, there was a viral video of, how beautiful the pocket was um, on, unfortunately with Shea Patterson. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't executed properly the the path to play. So, um, but I think he's going to slide right in and I think it, it does um, offer some competition, even for Matt Skura, uh, the uh, Joe, I forget his uh, last name, but the, the offensive line coach for the Ravens, you know, he had comments like uh, we, we talked about um, Ben, maybe even being a, a competitor for that center role. So um, I think, um, even if he doesn't make it as the uh, the guard or or even the center, I think um, he's going to be uh, a big influence in that um in that offensive line, that rotation. Yeah, and uh, 
you know, with that, of course, we have Matt Skura there coming back off the tender. No, I mean, we really don't know where he stands coming off this injury, a really brutal knee injury last year. I think he tore his ACL, PCL, and MCL all in one shot against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, Kevin, you're right. We got two big guys coming in here. I mean, they're somewhat similar in build. Ben Bredesen and Tyree Phillips are both 6'5". Um, Phillips is a little heavier, 331. Bredesen is... is uh, 315 but I think overall in the interior of the offensive line we've got a lot of competition now between these two new prospects between Skura and of course Ben Powers who you know we can't sleep on he was a fourth round pick last year so we'll see what happens uh inside but Kevin I mean I know it's super early to even think about this but would you give anybody the edge you know in the whole like four-man battle for the two positions center and and uh right guard well, um, from what I've been able to look at uh, so far, Ben Bredesen, I think, uh, if we're talking about the young guys, um, like I said, I think both of the guys that we drafted this year are ready to be a part of the rotation. Um, yeah. I use the word backup, but I think rotation is a better word, uh, which is what Dom said, and I, and I agree with that. So, um, But I think Ben Bredesen really does profile as a, a really – he's just so solid. Um, I think he's so good at everything. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of vaulted uh, up into a starting spot um, of the group that we have right now. But I, I, I don't see any reason. If, if Matt Skura is healthy, I think that he earned his job last year. Um, I think that the line just plays so well that I, I, I really, I really do, I really do think that maybe it, uh, you know, with with Yonda retiring, I think that's the spot that's open, um, and maybe Bredesen takes it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I think that uh, with with the competition that um, uh, Michigan played and how well they played as a unit, I think if uh, Bredesen is able to, you know, uh, acquire that same chemistry with um, Orlando Brown and uh, Matt Skura or um, uh, uh, Bozeman or whoever the center may be, just um, you know, with that rotation, I think he can, you know, really step in and. Maybe not make it quite as an impactful uh, um, presence as uh, Yonda is, but you know he, he can for sure fill some some sort of hole that the Ravens do have right there. Yeah, most definitely should be a very interesting battle along this offensive line moving forward. Um, but you know the Ravens just kept adding linemen on both sides of the ball here. They then went out and got. A prospect, you know, honestly, I don't know too much about him, but I was watching some of, of his tape after we drafted him. I was, was kind of impressed. In Broderick, Washington, he's 6'2", 305 pounds, defensive tackle from Texas Tech. Um, you know, a lot of people like him. He had 39 tackles last year, 5.5 for loss, 2.5 sacks. So I feel like, um, like Washington here could be, you know, a rotational piece in this defensive line, maybe sit behind Brandon Williams a little bit. He kind of comps to him well and then maybe even get involved in some of the pass rush here because the Ravens didn't even actually go out and address an edge rusher position here now I don't think he'd play the edge rush position but you know some of the experience with the sacks and um, you know he had some really good pass rush plays on the tape Um, Kevin where do you see maybe Broderick Washington's role like moving forward for the Ravens on this defensive line yeah I mean I I think this is interesting Um, much like like I said yesterday uh, when we were talking about um, uh, Matabuke, um, the Ravens are kind of drafting these guys that are really versatile. Um, yeah. 
And it, it, it makes it hard to even say, okay, where do I see this guy playing? Because when you look at the film, this guy, Broderick Washington, is playing on the edge like almost all the time. So um, we know he's not that in the NFL. Um, so I think that I think that the Ravens want guys that can play three technique, five technique, really be able to move around the line. I think this is something that he'll be able to do. Um, he's going to need some variance in his pass rush. Um, he's a bull rusher. Um, it looks like he doesn't have much outside of that bull rush move. Um, but I think that I think that these are really interesting defensive tackle picks. I think they're different from the pass kind of picks uh, with the versatility, the ability to rest the passer and uh, be able to have the power to stop the run. So I could see this guy uh, kicked inside in that three, four. Um, I think Dalen Mack is going to be, I think Dalen Mack, they want to be the successor to Brandon Williams and Matabuka and Washington. They want to be able to be versatile where they, maybe they play some nose tackle, but can also move around. Yeah. So, um, uh, when I when the Ravens picked um you know the Texas Tech D tackle I was kind of confused I was like um who uh, well, I I haven't heard of him really at all and I was really you know I was kind of I was really shocked that uh, they would go with this position and in this spot so um I uh, you know I kind of did a bit of research I didn't really um get able wasn't able to watch any film on him but um you know I think that they really are trying to um play for the rate the this future and um, play for that you know rotation because i think the raven they're going to do a lot of rotating this year um especially with the addition of uh uh the new ravens patrick queen and uh, malik harrison how we were talking about uh yesterday's podcast that they were saying that or um it was very likely that they were going to rotate and you know play in different packages so i think that they're just building a lot of um getting a lot of building pieces to try and rotate these guys around and um you know keep fresh legs always um in the defense you know i don't think you're wrong to kind of not know who he was because i i noticed a lot of ravens twitter had absolutely no idea who broderick washington <laughs> was there's was a lot of people like who is this guy um but no um going back to your point kevin about the bull rush though i i don't think the ravens have um that much of a problem with taking a raw prospect who maybe relies a little bit too much on the bull rush. Because if we look at back at last year, when I did my evaluation, my post-draft evaluation on Jalen Ferguson, I noticed that his like main go-to technique in college to get him all these crazy sacks was that bull rush. Yep. As you know, Jalen Ferguson didn't have the best rookie season. He wasn't really asked to do that much, but what he ended up doing was setting the edge quite a lot for the Ravens. So, <laughs> They, they find ways to train these players, even if, you know, maybe they're reliant on the bull rush too much. Um, but they'll Which find ways to implement I think is a great point. Uh, Terrell Suggs was the same way. Um, yeah. If you actually uh, go back a little bit further, um, Sizzle was the exact same way. Uh, all he had was a bull rush, and then he got to the league, and all he had was a bull rush, uh, but still was very productive. And, you know, I think it was Trey Wingo um, who said this. I think it was during um, his interview with Harbaugh today, but or at some point during the draft, I don't remember exactly, but he mentioned that Ozzie Newsom's big philosophy was um, this, the sack production will translate to sack production in the NFL. Right. It doesn't really matter that much about everything else. So when you look at um, Sizzle, it obviously worked out very well for the Ravens there, even if he was just too reliant on the bull rush. And then um, this, um, Jalen Ferguson ends up breaking Sizzle's record in college for sacks, and the Ravens do the same exact thing. They draft the guy, maybe a little bit too reliant on this bull rush. So I think the Ravens are just looking to find these productive guys 
regardless of where they kind of sit with some of these more nuanced techniques. Absolutely. Okay, so that was our second pick today. And then, of course, we went on to make our third selection, this time in the sixth round. And the Ravens traded up for this one. So um, they traded with Minnesota, which I kind of thought was funny because Minnesota's the team we, we kind of scammed with Kerry Vedvik. Um, but we ended up getting a, another receiver. So the second receiver in this draft class, who I'm very happy about, and I want to get you guys' take on him. Uh, James Prochet, one of the most targeted, I think he actually was the most targeted receiver in the NCAA last year. And, and Dom and I, before the episode, were talking about um, his hands. And he dropped, I think, Dom, you said nine passes in total as an entire uh, four years in college, which is just mind blowing. So, yeah. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on the Ravens picking James Prochet here? Yeah. Um, yesterday, when we were talking about what other receivers maybe are out there that you had your eye on, this is guy whose name came out of my yeah, mouth but I uh I immediately said well maybe there's some redundancy there um but hey I'm super happy with this so <laughs> um yeah I, I really like James Prochet um he jumps off the the screen if you watch him uh you yeah. can't help but notice him um it's not because he's the most athletic guy in the world but he gets open um he always catches the ball um and he can make that acrobatic catch. Uh, as I said also yesterday, I started to evaluate players, and it started at wide receiver because we messed that up so much. And what I noticed is that when we sign guys, they're always, they're always really technical with really good hands. But when we draft guys, they were these kind of like size, speed athletes who didn't run, uh, who didn't run good routes and didn't have great hands. That has really shifted. Um, we are really starting to shift towards the technician with great hands. And I think that this pick is going to work really well for us. Yeah. Um, uh, it did come out of, um, Kevin's mouth. So, uh, but I was really excited because when I watched, I was, um, in the very beginning, I, he really kind of reminded me of Stefan Diggs, you know, a Maryland native. Mm-hmm. And, um, whenever he, he, the way he tracks the ball is just insane and how he, um, makes those significant catches, uh, or receptions. And, um, you know, uh, so it it kind of like made me also think that Miles Boykin is solidified for that kind of second, the second spot. Um, maybe not like in every single package, but you know he's going to be an outside guy because uh, a lot of people were thinking he's going to maybe transition to the slot more, or maybe he, um, uh, or something along those lines. And um, you know, I think that with Miles Boykin and um, Marquise Hollywood Brown on the outside. I think uh, O'Shea or um, DuVernay will be able to, you know, really kill that slot role because that's where they played on the um, on their college teams. I think O'Shea played maybe a bit more outside, but um, uh, um, I think those two are really going to battle it out and really kind of share reps, even if it's not um, uh, like uh, solidified who's going to start. But I think um, I think those two are really going to fight it out, and um, I think they're both going to really succeed um, on this this uh, offensive scheme. Yeah, to c- kind of build off that point a little bit about you know how Miles Boykin and Hollywood Brown might be complementing these receivers. You know, I think last night we touched on when the Ravens drafted J.K. Dobbins, it kind of puts a strain on that re- that running backs group. Someone's going to be the odd man out most likely. Mm-hmm. Now we're drafting two receivers here, so on the roster we've got. Uh, Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, Jaleel Scott, DuVernay, Chris Moore, Miles Boykin, um, and of course Prochet here. You know, 
that's seven receivers right there. Uh, not to mention Sean Monster, Antoine Wesley, and and uh, D'Anthony Thomas, who are kind of you know the back burners here. We're, we're you know who won't really do that much um, unless they have an insane preseason. But someone, maybe two players, are going to have to be the odd man out here. Yeah. You know, I I think it's going to be between Chris Moore and Julio Scott here. Now, I think honestly, it's, I, I I've been very vocal on this podcast that I'm not much of a Chris Moore fan. I think he's kind of disappointed. Uh, when he's been given the chance to succeed a wide receiver. But I think he honestly will have a bit of an edge over Jaleel Scott here just because Chris Moore is a special teams contributor and, and Scott really doesn't have that. Um, Kevin, do you agree there or do you think maybe Scott could could pull ahead? Yeah, I mean, I, I begrudgingly having you say that word. <laughs> I, ag- I agree with you and I don't want to. Um, I have had a uh, a long-standing grudge with uh, Hallbar's uh, love for special teams and how it's cost us talent. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's the third phase of football. is really important. We're really good at it. So I get it. But I don't want Chris Moore to make this team over Jaleel Scott because if we, no. if we suffer injuries on our roster, I believe in Jill, Jaleel Scott taking snaps on the outside at receiver way better than I do Chris Moore at this point, who's disappointed when asked to do that. Um, I, I think back to when we drafted Marcus Smith in the fourth round, John Harbaugh's first year, and we didn't draft a receiver. We drafted a special teamer by drafting that guy, and it feels like we do that so much. So um, I, I I hope that the odd man out is Chris Moore. Um <laughs> Uh, also, I think it, it does put Chris Moore and D'Anthony uh, uh, Thomas, I think I'm saying his name right, um, yeah. it puts those guys at on notice, though, because they've been talking about um, the fact that they think Prochet can return uh, kicks yeah. and punts, and they've also been saying that about DuVernay, uh, so I think both of those guys are really the guys who are truly on notice, but we'll see. Yeah, um, I don't really have much to say here, but um, I think that you know he does. Chris Moore does um, contribute to special teams, but I, I like the point about Jaleel Scott and how he will um, step in there if one of our uh, if you know Miles Boykin or one of the bigger receivers goes down. So um, it, it's kind of a toss up, but honestly, I'd rather take Willie Sneed, um, Prochet, and uh, Duvernay over you know Chris Moore and Jaleel Scott. They can you know. Uh, get off the team. I, I honestly couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Scott has some upside. I mean, we really haven't seen him given the opportunity. And that's one of my, like, I, I mean, Kevin, you mentioned the special teams with Harbaugh is kind of like your longstanding gripe with the Ravens. Mine is, you know, not giving some of these, you know, weapons a real chance to shine before they make the decision on whether they want to cut them or not. I mean, we haven't seen Jaleel Scott really, get an opportunity here. Same thing with Trace McSorley. You know, the Ravens talked quite a lot about using him as a Taysom Hill kind of guy, and then it just never happened. Um, so I think we really have to see what, what Julio Scott can do a little bit. But I like your point about Prochet being a potential punt returner because the Ravens were talking a lot about that. You're right. And I think if Prochet turns out to be the punt returner for the Ravens, obviously DeAnthony Thomas is going to be gone at that point. But that could also spell doom for Chris Moore because, you know, Chris Moore does handle those uh, those things one, once in a while. And if they view Prochet as just the better special teamer of the two, that could get rid of Chris Moore and actually save Julio Scott's job. So it should be very interesting to see how this this honestly, it's, it's going to be a special teams battle that determines the Ravens wide receiver core. But it should be interesting to see how that plays out. 
That's very true. May I may I go on a small rant, please? A very small. Of course, rant. of course. It'd be a small one. I f- I feel pretty strongly about this. I think that we are, as of last year, we have finally come into uh, modern football when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I still think that one thing that we just don't do offensively is we don't help receivers get open. Um, our system still to this day favors mm. a receiver having to beat coverage. And I think that we just don't do enough rub routes. Um, I think we ran one screen all year that I can remember, mm. which is is kind of fascinating with some of the players that we had. I think that if we did kind of help our receivers be able to get open by scheming them open, I mean, we're, we're, we know how to scheme a run to the edge and get a running back one-on-one, but we struggle to get a receiver in the same position. I think that is, I think that receivers struggle in Baltimore because of that, because it's really difficult in the NFL to consistently beat um, coverage. It, it, it just is. So I think that we, we do lose talent a little bit sooner than we should. And in reality, is Jaleel Scott ever going to be a thousand yard receiver in the league? Probably not. But, from a depth, uh, uh, from the standpoint of depth, I, I just don't want a guy like that to be cut because if yeah. someone gets hurt, I have no confidence that Chris Moore can do what I think Jaleel Scott can do, which is at least catch some contested balls that maybe Lamar needs to throw up if he's if he's in danger, things of that nature. So I, I, I really just – I really wish – that we would help these guys and try to develop them. And like you said, uh, kind of try to help them uh, show that talent before they're out the door. But who knows? Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the screens and I know, I mean, I have followers when we watch the game, I have several that are asking me like, when's the last time we've thrown a screen? Like, and every time I, they throw a screen, you know, my mentions blow up because it's like the one screen the entire year. And I know, uh, I'm sure you follow guys like uh, Jeff Zrebic on, on Twitter and everything. Uh, some of the best Ravens beat reporters, they say, you know, up in the press box, every time the Ravens throw a screen, it's like a huge joke in, in the press box because they never do it. So yeah. um, we're not running these kind of routes to get these guys open. And, and you're, you're 100% right about that. So yeah, we can kind of move on. Yeah. We can kind of move on and, and build an offense a little bit around that. Getting these receivers, allow them to get open instead of beating this coverage. I think it'd make it a lot easier for Lamar Jackson, who's already, I mean, already having an easy time, but it'd be even easier at that point for him throwing the ball. Right. Okay. And then the last pick the Ravens made, actually a pick that a lot of people consider to be a steal, uh, Geno Stone, safety out of Iowa. Quite a few people I noticed thought that he'd go a little earlier. Um, and this kind of caps off when I, what I like to see this, this draft as like, you know, the Browns fans mad kind of drafts. Cause like, we just kept making a bunch of steals here. Um, and Geno Stone, I think is one of them being the last pick here in the seventh round. Uh, I don't know too much about him though, but I, I just, I know he was mocked up you a lot higher than, than the seventh round here. Um, Kevin, do you have any, any thoughts on Geno Stone? Yeah. Um, I think. I remember Desmond King in Iowa. Um, he stayed a year too long. Uh, he would have possibly been a first round pick if he came out when uh, when uh, when if he struck when when uh, when really at, at the time that he had his best year. He should have just came out. He stayed a year too late. Went lower. 
not a lot of athleticism. AJ Espinessa just went extremely low. It, Iowa's defense is a is a zone defense uh, that is predicated around power, uh, smarts. So they don't have the best athletes, but they always have really good defense, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. Um, and I think that this is just another guy like that. I think Geno Stone is a really good player, is not the best athlete, but really smart, diagnoses plays really well. When a guy runs, when a guy runs a sub four six, but on tape he's always where he's supposed to be, it it means that player is extremely mm-hmm. smart. So uh, and that's what this guy is. He picks the ball off, he will smack you. Um, he's just like a torpedo coming down in a run game. Um, it's like having another Chuck Clark. Um, it's like having Tony Jefferson, but can catch. Um, so yeah, I, I like to pick, uh, don't know where he'll play. Um, but I like it. Yeah, I, I agree with the Tony Jefferson. Also someone like a Menard Pollard who, you know, really, really sure. had that, that, yeah. um, that beef behind his hits. Um, but again, who can play better zone coverage. Um, so I, I enjoy it maybe like a box, um, or maybe even like a Chuck Clark kind of role, um, without the green dot, of course, but, um, uh, on that dime package, um, bring him down and, um, you know, uh, uh, have him kind of roam around while, uh, Malik Harrison is, um, doing the, you know, work in the trenches or something along the lines of that. Um, but, uh, it was a very interesting pick and I did see that, you know, that he was projected to go a lot higher and, uh, he fell to the seventh, so pretty pretty interesting um, player right there. Yeah, and I, I know the Ravens did want to address the safety position at some point in this draft. They waited for the last pick to do it. Um, but, you know, it adds some depth, because when you look at this, this safety core here, I mean, you got Chuck Clark and Earl Thomas, are undisputed starters there. Deshaun Elliott are backup. Then you got Anthony Levine, who plays more of a, a hybrid role, so I wouldn't consider him like a, a, a depth safety. And then you have Jordan Richards in there, who's really here for special teams more than safety. So we definitely needed at least one other safety in here. Um, I think Geno Stone fits this defense a lot. I like your point, Dominic, about him maybe kind of filling that Chuck Clark kind of role. Um, you know, Earl Thomas is going to be our, our really, you know, our dominant safety back there. Um, right. And Clark, maybe Elliott if he's healthy. And Stone can do some damage as well on this defense. But overall, I mean, I think the Ravens had a very good draft here as we kind of segue into our next segment here. Um, a, a, a pretty balanced approach, I'd say. Um, you know, getting getting your inside linebacker you desperately need first and then addressing, you know, not just needs but some some wants and, and J.K. Dobbins and Justin Matabuke, who, you know, defensive tackle, I wouldn't consider the biggest need on the Ravens, but, you know, filling it up anyway because you can at this point. Um so, Kevin, do you have a favorite pick of maybe this day four, a uh, day three um, draft, and then the whole draft as a whole, if it's not the same person? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's obvious that I really like uh, the pro shape pick. Mm. Um, but hey, I'm, I don't know. Um, this draft was like so solid to me. Um, I don't know if the Ravens got any guy that I was like really beating on the table, hoping that they would get. So I would just say that I really like the pro. I really like the receivers. Um, it's a toss up between those two guys because I think they can make uh, a quick impact. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to kind of go off the board of the uh, the picks necessarily and kind of go with the undrafted free agents Ooh. and I'm uh, maybe segue into that. But uh, I think yeah. uh, uh, 
is it Jacob Breland, the tight end, was having a really, really stout year. Oh, yeah, true. And I think that he can really jump in with this tight end group and um, make some noise. You know, uh, he's fully recovered, according to, um, you know, all the sources. So um, I think that he's going to jump right in and, um, and uh, you know, fit in with this tight end, uh, this tight end group very well. Yeah, I mean, I like your point about the tight ends. We'll get to that in a second. If, if I had to make a pick here for my favorite player, I think it'd have to be a toss-up between Devin Duvernay and Malik Harrison. Um, obviously, you know, we got Patrick Queen the first, but Malik Harrison kind of being that thumper a little bit because you look at his tape and he's just a huge hard hitter at Ohio State and compliments Patrick Queen very well. And, of course, Duvernay being that speedster wide receiver that, you know, the whole offense is a track team at this point. I, I, you know, no one's going to catch anybody now. So adding him is just phenomenal there. But um, Dominic, your point about Jacob Breland from Oregon, the tight end. You know, tight end is a position I thought the Ravens might go for here, whether it would be Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son who went to LSU or somebody else. Um, you know, we, we need a tight end. We have two on the depth chart right now. We always carry a third. Um, and, you know, it could be it could definitely be Breland as as the uh, third tight end here. You know, undrafted free agents with the Ravens have a long history of becoming um, productive players or at least making the roster. I, I don't remember when the streak goes all the way back to, but it, it has to go back to the Billick years of, of keeping a undrafted free agent on this roster. If I had to make a bet, I'd say it's one of these tight ends. Is Breland the only tight end? Um I have to check. Yeah, I think he's the only tight end we've signed so far, but we have other tight ends on the roster, I believe, that um, we carried from last year, like Charles uh, Scharf. Um, but, Kevin, do you think... I mean, obviously someone has to make this tight end position. Do you think the Ravens would even consider keeping two, or are they just going to go with one of these undrafted rookies at this point? I don't think that you can keep just two tight ends the way that you want to use them. I know that they also see... Um, I know that they see Patrick Ricard as a tight end. Uh, right. I, I constantly hear DeCosta and Harbaugh um, including him in that group. Um, but, I mean, realistically, uh, is that his position? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. No way that you can just keep two tight ends the way that they like to, to use them. So somebody has to make this roster um, at tight end that isn't on this roster yet. But like you... I would have liked to see that be Thaddeus Moss. He's like an extra old lineman the way that he blocks. Um, but yeah. the Redskins stole him, so what it, it is what it is. Yeah, so um, I think that um, it was a good point that uh, that Kevin made, you know, about the um, Patrick Ricard stepping in and um, playing that tight end sometimes. But um, it was uh, it was um, Jacob Breland and Eli Wolf was the second um, undrafted free agent. Oh, Eli time. Wolf, that's right, yeah. yeah. And um, so I think, honestly, I would just give the edge to Breland. But um, I, I do like his produ- productivity. Um, I He had six touchdowns uh, before breaking his leg, unfortunately, um, to end the season. And I believe it was halfway through. So I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's really going um, come to come to his own, especially where, where the uh, tight ends are really respected. And I think he was a really good blocker, very productive blocker. I know the Oregon offensive line was very well, uh, very good as well. So um, as long as um, he can develop and he really earns his spot uh, after coming off injury, I think um, it's going to you know be plug and play from how Hurst was. Maybe lose out on a bit of speed, but um, I, think, uh, I think we should be good at that spot. 
Yeah, six touchdowns in six games, I believe. So yeah, wow. Yeah, so I think I think it has to come with one of these uh, undrafted rookies here because if you look at the free agent market, it's it's not the best. Um, I believe some of these guys retired. I'm pretty sure Jordan Reed did or was at least mulling it. Um, Vernon Davis, I think, also retired. He's a free agent. But, I mean, you got maybe Ed Dixon, who used to be a Raven, but at this point I don't think he'd even fit the scheme. He was more of a pass catcher, if I remember correctly. You got maybe Darren Fells out there, former Houston tight end. So I think, you know, for a third tight end who you want to develop, it's got to be either Wolf from Georgia or... Um, the tight end from Oregon, or maybe Sharf, who we had last year, too. How interesting um, is it that the three times that the Ravens took two tight ends in the same draft, the second tight end was the guy who lasted yeah. longer, was the better player every time? Well, when were the other two? I think one was Pitta, right? Yeah, so you had uh, Ed we, Dixon and Pitta, okay. and we know how that went. And then we had yeah. Max Williams and... Uh, Nick Boyle, uh, right? In the same yeah, draft class. Yeah, and Nick Boyle. That's right. Yeah. It is very interesting. I mean, I guess it kind of shows you that the Ravens are very good at finding mid-round talent. Um, but I don't know why they won't be able to hit on some of these, you know, early-round tight ends. I was very disappointed in Max Williams, though. I remember liking that pick a lot. Oh, yeah. I thought, man, when we took Max Williams, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no one's going to be able to stop us. he would jump over people. It was, in, right. it was insane. And then it just – and now Nick Boyle's one jumping over people. Which, I mean, you know – yeah. Just crazy. Um, okay, so let's just go over some of the un- other undrafted free agents here. And, and for our listeners out there that want to keep up at home, uh, on BaltimoreFeather.com, you can find our whole free, our undrafted free agent tracker. It took me quite a while to put this together. So um, that's where you can find all the, the undrafted free agents. And the Ravens still have two open slots at the time we're speaking right now. So this will probably be um, inaccurate by the time it comes out. But... The Ravens signed Missouri center Tristan Colon Castillo. They signed James Madison University defensive end John Daca. Um, offensive lineman Dyshawn Dixon, who played at both San Diego State and Taft. Then, of course, Eli Wolf from Georgia. Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley. Uh, Nigel Warrior, safety from, safety from Tennessee. Then Tyson Williams, a running back from BYU. Uh, Josh Nurse, another uh, Utah Ute, he's a defensive back. Then they added a guy who was on the show, Last Chance U, Chauncey Rivers, a defensive end from Mississippi State. Um, then they added this guy, Bronson Recksteiner, who I'm pretty sure is the son of the professional wrestler. I don't know if you guys follow that, but yeah, when I was putting this together, I noticed that he was the son of a professional wrestler. He plays running back, but more of like a fullback role, so that should be kind of fun seeing him knock people over. Um then they also signed Iowa linebacker Christian Welch, uh, defensive back from Redlands, Jeff Hector, Jalen Moore, wide receiver from UT Martin, um, Wake Forest punter Dom Maggio, UNC defensive tackle Aaron Crawford, Marcus Willoughby, defensive end from Elon, um, and then Khalil Dorsey, Northern Arizona University, uh, and I don't see what his position is here. Let's see if I can find that. I think he's uh, a defensive back. That's what he is. And then they also signed Clemson offensive lineman Sean Pollard. Jacob Breeland, we already talked about him, tight end from Oregon. And then Nick Vogel, um, who is a kicker from UAB. 
And that is the entire 20-man class so far. So, Kevin, do you have any of these prospects you want to touch on? Um, yeah. Um, one, I want to say I'm very disappointed that Chris or Zach or his brother is not on this yeah. list. Mm. Um, because I, I was kind I of like surprised to... by that. Yeah. Isn't Zach or I know he was with the Ravens for a couple years before he got hurt, but isn't he currently on the uh, coaching yeah. staff or something? He is. He is. So I don't know what Chris was thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe he was thinking uh, the chances of making his team as an undrafted linebacker are not as high as they were when Zach was here. But um, but other than that, I, I like uh, Tyler Huntley. Uh, the quarterback from Utah, as I said before yesterday, I do think that that's a sneaky need for us um, just because I personally don't have a lot of faith in Robert Griffin. And I know that uh, McSorley is still developing. Um, when you watch the guy, if you just look at highlights, the first thing you're going to think is like, this is a poor man's Lamar Jackson. So um, I, I think that's a, a interesting pick there that I could see ending up on our practice squad. So. Yeah, um, I liked Huntley as well. But, um, you know, uh, just touching on um, Chauncey Rivers, you know, one of the guys from uh, the Last Chance You show on Netflix, um, it was uh, he, you know, was originally originally slated to go to Georgia. Um, he was uh, recruited there and then um, some things fell through. Um, I'm not sure if he played one year or uh, if he even got the chance to play, but um, he made his way over to uh, Eastern Mississippi uh, Community College, I believe. And, um, he, uh, you know, did pretty well, and he got a scholarship offer from um, Mississippi State. So I think um, he, I didn't really see too much development. Um, he was just one of the guys that was really highly slated in the show, so that's why they followed him so, so um, evidently. But um, um, you know, he he had quite a bit of talent, but I'm I'm not sure he's still a probably very developmental prospect. But um, you know, I think uh, talking about the Ravens' current roster. We got, um, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Ferguson, um, who's going to probably really step it up. Uh, they were they were really high on him last year. So hopefully, um, you know, even with the, the talks of uh, when Pernell McPhee went down, he took quite a bit uh, of a bigger role um, shared with Jihad Ward. So I think those two are probably going to be um, very win that win that spot over as long as they've been, you know, really working this offseason. You know, you mentioned Pernell McPhee. I'm actually going to ask a question about uh, him in a minute here. But, you know, one undrafted free agent I wish we signed, and we already talked about Thaddeus Moss, but just kind of for, like, the memes about this, Lamar Jackson, the cornerback, right. I thought would have been hilarious <laughs> to sign and see if he actually can make the squad so we could have, like, two Lamar Jacksons. But I saw he signed with the Jets, I think, if you were saying, mm -hmm. oh, the Jets still trying to be the Ravens over there getting a different Lamar Jackson. But apparently it looks like uh, it fooled some Ravens members because uh, a lot of people were saying it's like, you know, their aunts and their uncles who aren't super social media savvy uh, that, the, that the Jets signed Lamar Jackson. People started freaking out. But, you know, all good fun there. But um, about Pernell McPhee. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and make no mistake about it, the Jets are trying to be the Ravens for the second oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah, 100%. Once when they have Rex Ryan and now that they have uh, Joe Douglas who uh, started his career in Baltimore. It's not a bad formula, I guess. I mean, they haven't been able to replicate us yet, but I mean, if they can get it down, get their own, you know, Eric DaCosta, maybe uh, their own Ozzy Newsom, uh, and their own John Harbaugh. It was John so Harbaugh cringy when they were saying uh, "play like a jet" back when they had uh, <laughs> back when Rex, Rex Ryan. Was, that was cringy. Yeah. It was it's like stop, <laughs> going too far. Look, 
I like Rex and all, but I mean, it, it just did not work out there for him, it, which is kind of sad. But yeah, I think, you know, they have to have a little bit of their own, own identity, to be honest with you. But uh, if they want to try to replicate our front office, that might work a little bit. We'll have to see, though. Although the the recent Ravens they've taken haven't really done that well. I know C.J. Mosley getting injured really wasn't his fault, but uh, they've stocked their Ravens kind of they've stocked their roster with kind of our leftovers. So don't know how that's going to work out for them in the future. Okay, and then I want to ask about Pernell McPhee though because I believe he's still a free agent, and edge rusher was a need that everyone pinned on the Ravens in this draft, and they didn't go for it. I mean, they drafted a couple defensive linemen who have some edge rusher traits, but they didn't actually address the edge rusher position. Um, so people are trying to wonder, do the Ravens maybe re-sign Pernell McPhee and kind of, again, put him opposite of Matt Judon, or is there somebody else on the market that the Ravens might want to go for? Oh, that's a that's a tough question. I, I rack my brain over this all the time. Um I like Jalen Ferguson, as you said. I think that he already showed that um, he's going to have great upside in the run game, setting the edge. Um, it's all about putting together the pass rush for him. He is so much like Terrell Suggs. It's just it's so many ways that they are uh, similar when you talk about the sack record in college. They're bull rushers, and I think they both struggle with weight. So far, Jalen Ferguson looks like he's going to struggle with weight. I mean, he just looked like he could be in better shape. Um, yeah. So let's hope he's not just like just slamming tasty cakes right now during the uh, <laughs> during the uh, quarantine. Um, so, I mean, if he comes back in shape, uh, I like him. You know, I, I like uh, Judon on the other end, but you do need depth there. That's a great question. I think that's all you can do um, because the, the market is very thin. So, yeah, I think I think for the right price or uh, honestly, I think uh, I think it's going to be. Because he's the veteran that has worked with Pernell, or I mean, um, Jalen Ferguson on that side, and I think that when Jalen, you know, really does step up in the defense, um, he's gonna show what Pernell kind of taught him because you know Terrell's not here to to be that uh, teacher kind of role. But um, I think if they want to go with a more more diverse like um one two like uh starter and you know a rotation, um, I think that uh um. Clay Matthews is still out there, so I think if they want, oh yeah, um, if they That's want right. more of a of a diverse, you know, um, I think that uh, Jalen Ferguson's more of going to be that that set the edge and just stick, and then um, Matthews going to get in the backfield and really wreak havoc, and um, you know, over pursue and kind of force it back into Malik Harrison and Patrick Queen. So I think um, I think it's going to be whether the Ravens kind of want to play it safe or want to take a shot with Clay Matthews. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, they, they didn't take anyone. And um, unfortunately, they couldn't uh, land Michael Divinity Jr. from uh, LSU, um, which I saw, you know, reports that the Ravens had an interest in him. So um, it's, it really is going to be um, an interesting uh, position to check out. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Clay Matthews, and I believe when he first got released by the Packers a couple of years ago, I think we talked about this before, Dom, on another podcast, that the Ravens had interest in him at that point. I don't, obviously, well, it didn't come to fruition. Um, I don't know whether or not they have interest in him again. Um, but, you know, another name that's out there who basically everybody thought would be signed by now is Javion Clowney. As you know, there's been Ravens fans clamoring for him. Um, I don't know why he hasn't signed yet. I know he didn't have the best season, honestly, last year with Seattle is very disappointing. But 
you'd have to imagine to sign somewhere now, um, he'd have to take a lot less money than maybe a lot of people were thinking. Um, do either of you see Clowney being an option here? Yeah, I think simply because he may find himself having no other option but the dreaded uh, prove it deal, which I think we're all uh, tired of hearing that uh, that phrase, but um, it, it tends to uh, prove to be true um, in how that is looked at. So um, when it's all said and done, I think that if that's the avenue he has to go with, um, we don't have a lot of cap room. So I think that's the only way he finds his way in Baltimore is uh, is uh, through that avenue. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that um, a really still possible um, a scenario could be a trade Matt Junon for whatever. I'm not sure um, exactly what, but just to clear up that tag and then um, uh, pay Clowney a little bit less than what uh, what Judon was making for um, whatever the funds may, um, you know, see themselves to be later on in the in uh, on a position. But um, I it's I, it's a very hard scenario, and I don't think that you know keeping Judon and um, and Clowney on the same roster would be uh, very uh, you know possible. But um, I think you know it, there's going to be have to a lot of be. There's going to have to be a lot of uh, roster changes um, in the in the Ravens' uh, defense or even offensive, uh, wherever they can free up cap space. You know, it's an interesting point you raise that the Ravens still can trade away Matt Judon. But, I mean, Dominic, do you see that as something that's going to happen, or is that just like really a super remote possibility that you don't think is on Eric Casas' radar right now? Um, I think that's something that is, really should happen because um, I don't see, especially with the recent, um, uh, you know, drama that Yannick uh, Ngakwe is in right now. I don't, I, I don't really see Judon being that, you know, much of a um, attention, you know, grabber. Uh, not necessarily in the market, but as in like, you know, a personality on on Twitter or whatever. But um, he's really loved here in Baltimore, so I think um, Eric DeCosta really should. Uh, look because he's he's a good player and he really does fit in the in the scheme that they've drawn up so far so um i think that it's probably should be a high priority on the list is it i'm not sure i'm not in the ravens room you know so um i think that um i think keeping keeping judon really should be uh high on on the list of things to do yeah I, i want us oh sorry i was gonna ask you where you stand on that position that's all yeah um you know what um, I'm really so like even when we talk about the defensive tackles they they took this year, I keep saying how interesting it is because all when it comes to the pass rush and our defensive line, I feel like I, I have a hard time making a, a a really um defined statement about it because I really don't know where we're going. Um, I I see a hint of our system may be a little bit different than what it used to be. Um, in Baltimore. You set the edge, you kind of, you do not rush the passer. Um, you, 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 you stop the run. Right, exactly, exactly. And I was, I was struggling to say that I'm extremely tired, but <laughs> that is the what I was trying to get to. And it, it looks like, it looks like the sack production that we've been really struggling to get is making them think a little bit differently about how we look at that. So I, I really want to see what happens this year. I want to see if if we really do take the, if 
if we allow our guys to just go and get the 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 quarterback, no more kind of hold the line, make sure it's not a run first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If if our run keys yeah. are about to change and we're about to become a team that has guys screaming off the edge, just pinning back their ears and just go get the quarterback. Um, I think that. I think that means that you have to have Matt Judon on your team. I think that means that you just ride it out with this with this thing, and if you can't sign him after this year, you probably he probably has his best year as far as sacks, and you can trade him for the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I really have I, – I don't know what to say other than that. Uh, I don't know where we're going right now. You know, I like the I like that point, especially because if you look at the way the Ravens are building this defensive line, it seems clear – that they're doing it to stop the run. And if they can use the defensive line as the primary way that they're stopping the run, then they can open up these linebackers to just go and get that quarterback and, and increase that pass rush, which you know was the Ravens' main weakness last year on defense, was that pass rush. It just was not good enough. Um, but you know, looking at, at these potential free agents like McPhee and, and Jadavion Clowney, I, I saw a tweet, I think it was from um, Brian McFarland, who does... Great work with the Ravens' salary cap. He mentioned that per the new uh, collective bargain agreement, the earliest the Ravens can sign players that won't count against them in the compensatory pick formula, which we all know they just love to get comp picks. Uh, the earliest they can make signings that don't affect that for next year is this Monday. So if they're holding out for a guy like Jadavion Clowney or you know some of these other pass rushers on the market... Um, it's going to probably happen Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And if it doesn't happen by then, I kind of doubt anything will. But usually around this time, we do see, I think even McPhee last year was signed after that deadline, the compensatory pick formula deadline. So that's when the Ravens are, are if they're going to be active again this offseason in free agency, it should happen this upcoming week. Right. All right. Well, I think that's it for today's episode of Nest Talk. Uh, we've gone through the entire day three of the draft and for those of you that missed our other two episodes um for draft coverage you can find that just go to the podcast feed scroll down a little bit you'll see them there our emergency episodes uh thank you guys both dominic and kevin for joining me for this draft coverage um we had a blast talking about the ravens and then nest talk will be back again next week on the regularly scheduled time again on thursday night into friday morning um, Kevin, for our listeners, where can they find you, your YouTube channel and your Twitter account? Um, YouTube, search the win column and look for a black logo with a yellow uh, W, and you have found it. Um, and uh, on Twitter, Instagram is check TWC. Um, yeah. And uh, Dominic, where can they find you at? Yeah, just uh, at Ravens Anatomy on Twitter and YouTube. And a quick question for you guys. Are you guys um, as excited as I am to see what the rookies' numbers were, are? Um, because I know there's a few that have already, yeah. um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, 27, and Malik, I mean, um, Patrick Queen, 48. So uh, I'm really excited for those. And hopefully we're both, we're all occupied until at least May, just checking on uh, hmm. film and, and stuff for our new uh, new Ravens. Um, I'm always excited about silly stuff like that. But yeah. I'm even more like I get super excited about uh, when teams change their jerseys. Mm. So <laughs> it's been a good off season for you. Then we got a lot of them, right? Yeah, it was a lot of them. So like I feel like uh, after we find out what what uh, numbers these guys are wearing, I want to see what the Rams are going to look like. 
Although which that has nothing to your, do with this. Which one was your favorite uh, jersey this year so far? Uh, I think it's going to be what everybody's is, um, which is the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, that, that, uh, that navy blue, um, uh, what is it, color rush is is phenomenal. I can't wait for the Ravens to change their jerseys at some point. Um, yeah. And honestly, I, I mean, I don't want any Ravens fans to hate me for this, but those Patriots jerseys are dope. I mean, I really? Like yeah, I think I, they're really dope. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, man. I, I don't like those Patriots jerseys at all, but <laughs> I got to agree with you, though. The Chargers jersey, that that one's real nice. It kind of reminds me of like a throwback jersey, but I, yeah. I'd like to see the Ravens eventually do some sort of throwback thing. I know they had copyright issues on the, the original logo, yeah, but if they could ever get that back, those were some sick-looking jerseys. I'd love to have those back. I want the Ravens to change their colors. I mean, I know everybody's going to hate me for saying that. Oh, yeah. I, purple and black is... Uh, uh, it does not really go together. I think we need to get a we need to get a better third color in there than gold. I think it should be like silver or something. Yeah, I think gray would be really nice. Like I see a lot of people mock up some um, some gray unis and all gray, and then you know the logo or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and um, I can see gray. Yeah, I, I, like a dark like um, metallic gray or something. I don't know, but uh, I, I like the Chargers. But I also like the Bucks. Dude, the Bucks were just throwing it back and just. I don't know. The Bucks were really, really nice to me. Yeah, that that would be that would be my third for sure. Kind of them and the Patriots are, are tied. Really, the Patriots it's it's just the color rush jersey. So I'm really talking about the away jersey. I think the away jersey is cool. Okay. I just loved uh, the little exchange the Falcons and the Panthers had when the Falcons. Did you see that, Kevin? When they released <laughs> yeah. their jerseys and they were kind of clowning on each other. Right. Yeah. The Falcons' response with the Cam Newton text was was just amazing. That was great. <laughs> For those of you that didn't see it, the the Falcons released their jerseys, and the the Panthers basically made a video. What was the movie that was from? It was an Adam Sandler movie where it was like the prison players or whatever. I don't remember the name. Um, but there's an Adam Sandler movie where where prisoners play football, and they they basically showed it was like just like that jersey, and the Falcons came back and threw some shade about Cam Newton towards them. So it was all in good fun, though. But pretty funny. Okay, well, you can find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. And then, of course, the Baltimore Feather at More Feather and the Nest Talk Podcast at Nest Talk Podcast on Twitter. Uh, if you've made it this far, make sure you give us a like, a five-star rating, depending on where you're listening to this. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Overcast. You know, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you do that. It helps us out a lot. Show it to your friends. Um, and yeah, we'll be back again with Nest Talk back to its regular time on Thursday. So thanks again to Kevin and Dominic for joining us. Uh, and have a, yeah, have a great week, everybody. Stay safe in quarantine uh, and don't eat too many tasty cakes, as we've said earlier. So take care, everyone. Peace.